going to minister the word a little bit, and then we'll see what happens. Hallelujah. Felt inspired by the Holy Ghost. And when I say that, I mean my spirit was being inspired by the spirit of the living of God. And this is what I perceived he told me to talk about, was being in awe of a mighty God. I believe that there's a healthy fear coming back to the church of the God that we serve. Of our Lord and our Savior, his name is Jesus. And I believe that God is wanting to revive this healthy fear and this reverence for him. You know, when I first got saved, I believe I got saved because I was afraid of hell. But as I've grown in my relationship with the Lord, I've grown because I have a fear of him. And I believe, you know, the church, well, let me just say it this way. Humanity can be broken down into three groups. All of humanity on planet Earth. You have the natural man. This is the individuals that live on Earth. They're not born again. They don't know God, and they do not fear God. The solution to that individual is for them to get born again. Then you have the carnal man. This individual is born again but hasn't grown in their spirituality, so they're carnal. They're flesh-driven and flesh-led. And I believe that this is where most Christians are, and they have no reverence and no fear of God. And then you have the spiritual man. This is somebody who's put in the effort and the work to grow in their spirituality. And they know God and they have a reverence for him and they fear him. And because of that, God can do mighty things in their life. Amen. And so I want to fall in that latter category where I'm spiritual. Where I'm grown and matured in the things of God. Amen? And as I grow, and here's the key, growing in the things of God, I believe grows a healthy reverence for the Almighty. I was thinking about this today, and I was thinking about when I used to ride bulls when I lived in Colorado. And when I first started riding bulls, I remember I was sitting up in the bleachers of a rodeo, and I saw this guy get on this bull, and he rode it. And I thought within myself, I can do that. That looks easy. And then I remember the first time that I actually got on a bull, and as I got closer and closer to that huge animal, how the fear on the inside of me started growing. Because it's one thing to sit up in the bleachers and watch someone else do it. It's a whole other thing to get on that chute and sit on that bull for yourself. And I remember the first bulls we rode, they were just these ones we found out on a farm. We'd put them in an arena and we would ride them and they weren't real, you know, crazy and chaotic. But then I remember when I started rodeo and I started riding ranked bulls, nationally ranked bulls. And these things were just crazy. I remember the first time I sat on one and I was climbing down inside the chute and my, my spur hit the side of it and it started just jumping inside the chute. It started bucking everywhere. And one of the cowboys grabbed me and lifted me up off of that thing and it was just going crazy. My leg got smashed in between the bull and the metal that was holding it in and I was just afraid of that sucker. And you know what? It's healthy to have that kind of fear of a bull. It'll protect you. It'll keep you safe. And I know that's a natural example, but we need to have a fear of the Lord. And when we have a fear of God, it'll keep us. Come on now, it will protect us. Most Christians don't follow the ways of the Lord because they don't have a healthy fear of the Lord. So when God speaks to them, they just disregard it. 
And because they disregard it, God can't keep them in all of their ways. Uh-oh, church, you better help me tonight. Don't get quiet out there. I'll have to come down there and start shellacking people. We're going to make that a thing, church. Hallelujah. I don't know about you. I want revival. And in order to have revival, I have to fear him. You remember that scripture that says he will not cast his pearls before the swine. He will not put his glory before pigs. That's what the pearls are, the riches of God. He's not going to pour out his glory on people that are not going to honor it and people that are not going to respect it and people that are not going to cherish it and people that are not going to have this healthy fear of God. He's not going to cast his pearls before the swine. He's going to pass it and pour it out on those who long for it, who desire it, who love him and fear him. And so I want to go to an interesting place. And man, when the Lord took me here, I said, hold on now. Let's go to the book of Revelation, chapter 19. And you know, lots of people use the book of Revelation to teach about the end times, and that's okay. But really, when you read it in the King James, the very first thing it says in the first chapter is, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. So it's not so much the revelation of end times, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so when we look at this, we get revelation about him. Amen. And so I want to start here in chapter 19. I'm going to be reading now the New Living Translation, the 1996 version. I think they have a newer version on the screen, so it might not exactly match up. But I want to read, and we're going to stop, and we're going to look at some of these things. And we're going to start in verse 9. And the angel said, someone say, I fear the Lord. And I kind of got both going on. I got a healthy reverence and respect for him, but I low-key have a little bit of actual fear, too. And I think that's all right. Because he is God Almighty. The one who has created the universe. Who hung the stars and knows them by name. The one who shaped man from dirt. And breathe the breath of life into him so he becomes a living, created being. All of creation. The Apostle Paul, I'm reading his writings right now. And the Apostle Paul talks about this. He talks about how no one on earth has any excuse for not knowing him. Because everything in earth points to him. All of creation points to the creator. Now if that's someone we can't respect... If that's someone we can't fear, if that's, a, come on now, if that's someone we can't have a reverence for, then you won't have a reverence for anybody. And it's time for the church to see him for who he really is. He is the Almighty. He is God. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who has no beginning and no end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He exists outside of time, and time was created by him, and before there was time, he was. When Moses asked him, who are you? He said, I am. I am. You can't even define him to his fullest. He just is. He's God. He's God. Come on now, he is God. He is God. 
He is not one to be taken lightly. So over here in Revelation, says this, And an angel said, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, These are true words that come from God. Then I fell down at his feet and I worshipped him, but he said, No, don't worship me, for I'm a servant of God just like you and other brothers and sisters who testify of their faith in Jesus. Worship God. Look at that. Even the angel points to him. And he says, Don't bow down for me. I'm only a servant. You need to bow down to God. Worship God. Glory to God. Worship God. For the essence of the prophecy is to give a clear witness of Jesus. Now, verse 11. Then I saw heaven open, and the white horse was standing there. And the one sitting on the horse was named Faithful and True. For he judges fairly, and then he goes to war. His eyes are bright like flames of fire, and and on his heads were many crowns. A name was written on him, and only he knew what it meant. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in pure white linen, followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword, and with it he struck down the nations. He ruled them with an iron rod, and he he trod on wine presses. Of the fierce wrath of the Almighty God. On his robe and his thigh was written this title The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, when we read that, we step back for a moment and we say, Well, what does that mean? What, what did we just read right there? Well, I went into some old Bible school notes. And I want to just point out a few of these, and we don't have a lot to look at, a lot of time to look at all of them, but I just want to paint a picture who the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, who he's talking about, who we serve. Number one, the white horse represents justice, holiness, and victory. (laughs) The white horse represents justice, holiness, and in victory. You remember the first time Jesus came riding into town and he was just riding on a lowly donkey. Not esteemed and honored by many, but only by a few. When he comes back next time, he's coming on a white horse that represents justice, that represents holiness, that represents victory. And all will recognize him on that horse as the King of Kings, and as the Lord of Lords. He has eyes of fire. What do those eyes of fire represent? They represent judgment of sin. See in every action of every heart. And when you look into his eyes, it can melt your soul. Judges every sin. Every believer and non-believer alike because he judges fairly. And when we look into his eyes, it melts our heart. And it judges sin and it breaks sin from our lives. And then it says he wears many crowns. These crowns come from the kings that he conquered. And all of these crowns from all the kings that he's conquered have been woven into one crown. This is the God that you serve. 
Oh, come on now. This is Jesus. Someone say Jesus. These crowns come from the kings that he's conquered, and it's a sign of his universal reign. <laughs> the things out there, you know, and, and I'm not a huge Star Wars, Star Trek, all these Star Lord thing fans. You know, Star Wars, you know, they have all these weird aliens with eyes all over them. I guess they're kind of heavenly creatures, a little weird. Right? Star Trek, they go out into the unknown and they're trekking out there to the final frontier, which is space. All that stuff that may be out there, may not be out there, guess who's the king of all of that? One young man over here's got it. All that stuff that's out there that we can see, that we may not be able to see, all that stuff that may be living on Mars and may not be living on Mars, all that stuff that they see through the Hubble telescope that we may not know or we may know about, whatever does or does not exist out there, if it's out there, it has one king. He is the universal king. He's the intergalactic king. And there's no king beside him. And he wears all the crowns of all the kings that he's ever conquered. And no one can sit beside him. He alone is God Almighty. And he reigns over the universe even in the small little bit that we know about him. The Bible tells us that he has ultimate authority in all three realms. In the heaven, on the earth, and underneath the earth. He has ultimate authority. He's the God of gods. All these people that say, I've been to India, they've got thousands of gods, but there is one God that rules over all those false prophets and all those false gods, and his name is Jesus. Come on now, we reverence him. He is the Almighty. Woo, glory to God. As I grow closer to him, the fear of him and the reverence of him grows on the inside of me. I said, as I grow closer to him, the reverence and the fear I have for him, it grows bigger on the inside because he begins to peel back the curtain and peel back the layers, and he lets us see who he really is. He's God Almighty. The name that was written on him that says no one can understand, it represents a name that is so vast and so wonderful and so complex that no one can understand it except for himself. A name so great that only he can read it and understands what it means. You and I, we love Jesus and we worship the name of Jesus. But in our tiny scope of wisdom, we don't truly understand all that it means and all that he is. All the power that's really wrapped up in that name. That name is so powerful that we see in scriptures that even demons had to ask for permission to go live in pigs. They couldn't go live in pigs without permission from the one who understands that name. <laughs> no, come on. You need to get some revelation knowledge tonight. Let the Holy Spirit minister to your spirit tonight. He has the name written on him that is so great, only he understands. But you know what's amazing about that name? Just the little bit of understanding we have about it, 
We'll put 1,000 to flight. We'll put 10,000 to flight. We'll heal the sick. We'll save the lost. We'll cleanse the leopards. We'll raise the dead. Just that little understanding. It'll bring soundness to our minds. That little understanding will heal our broken hearts. That little understanding can bring priests to our home. That little understanding can bring financial prosperity to our house. Just that little understanding. That tiny revelation that we have about the name of God can get you everything that you need. Just that little revelation. Hallelujah. He has a vesture that is dripped in blood. What does that represent? Twofold representation, I believe. Number one, represents the blood that he redeemed us with. And then some of us aren't going to like this, but it also represents the blood of all the enemies that he has killed. getting quiet in here. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that we serve. There's no enemy that could stand before him. No enemy. No matter the size or the number. It could be one really big dude. He has to fall and his head will be cut off. Or it could be armies by the thousand. If they stand against him, they will be conquered. This is the God that we serve. I'm going to use a good British word. He is not one to be trifled with. Trying to loosen some of y'all up. Hallelujah. He's not one to be trifled with. Let us not play with our salvation, church. Oh, come on now. Let us not play with our salvation. I'm telling you, hallelujah. In November, he asked me, strip yourself of everything that's not of me. Just rip it away. Everything that's not of me, rip it away. And as you let everything that's not of God be stripped away, you begin to see things differently. You understand? Because the global church has been preached so much forgiveness and so much grace. And so much it doesn't matter the way that you live that all of a sudden salvation, I don't even believe it truly has any value anymore. And I... I, I'm going to get on my my little soapbox and start meddling. If somebody gives their lives to Jesus and they claim to be saved, but they continue to live the same way, have they been saved from anything? Are they really saved? Are they really saved? Not wanting anyone in the room to feel guilty or condemned. But if we have no life change then we have not really contacted this God. If we have no life change, we have not contacted this Savior. Because when you come in contact with this Savior, when you understand these things that we're talking about, you will change some things. And you'll let him change whatever he wants to change in your life. Then we'll be like Abraham, and when he asks for our son, we'll be willing to give our son. 
Then we'll be like Moses, and when he asks us to go to a foreign land where they could possibly kill us, we'll go to that land. Then we'll be like the Apostle Paul when we know that tribulations and death is surely waiting for us in Rome. We will go because God Almighty has spoken to us to go and minister the word of God. These people we read about, the patriarchs of old, these apostles and these disciples that followed Jesus, the reason why they did what they did is because they came in contact with the Jesus of the Bible. Not the Jesus that the global church is preaching. The Jesus of the Bible. When you read the Gospels, Jesus had two messages that he mainly preached about. The kingdom of heaven and sin and redemption. That's what he talked about. I've watched many ministers for the last four years and I haven't heard hardly any messages on sin. But that's all Jesus talked about. Sin is in the Bible more than love is in the Bible. Love is in the Bible, I think, 390 sometimes, and sin is in the Bible 496 times. It talks more about living right than it does the love of God. And then preachers get up and say, all we got to focus on is the love of Jesus. Yes, his love is amazing, and I can't even, the Bible says in, the apostle, in Pauline's epistles, I can't even understand it. I can't fully comprehend his love. But just because his love is uncomprehendable doesn't mean I'm allowed to ignore the sin that is in my life. In fact, it's his love that has inspired me to deal with the sin. Because I want to be free. I want to live free. And I want all that he has for me. I want to know this God. (laughs) On his robe is written, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He has white hair, which lots of times we think wisdom. And it is wisdom, but it's also purity. His white hair is purity, and it represents pure disciples and pure followings that are fallen after him. On his robe is written, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This represents his power, and his power is irresistible. His power is irresistible. And his power is real. And he's still wanting to pour out his power on anyone that is willing to receive it. How do I receive it? Well, Pastor Belinda talked about this morning. Honor it. Reverence it. Honor him. Reverence him. Fear him. And if you will fear the almighty God, he will reveal himself in ways to you that are unbelievable. He will pour out his spirit upon you in ways that you couldn't even imagine. Because you're looking at him differently. You see him as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Psalms chapter 5 verse 7 through 8 out of the Barren Study Bible says, But I will enter your house. By the abundance of your love and devotion, in reverence, I will bow down towards your holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make straight your way before me. 
I will bow down out of reverence. Not because I want something or not because I even need something, but just because I love you. Because I reverence you. Because I fear you. Psalms chapter 2, verse 11 says, Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. So even in our rejoicing, even in our rejoicing, we're aware of the mightiness of the God that we serve. First Samuel chapter 2, verse 24. But be sure to fear the Lord and serve Him faithfully. With all of your heart, consider what great things He has done for you. I think lots of times we remember the great things that He's done for us, but we forget the one who's actually done those things. I want to remember the great things that He's done for me, but more importantly, I want to honor the one that has done those things. I'm grateful for redemption, but I want to honor the one who purchased my redemption. I'm grateful for forgiveness of sins, but I want to honor the one who has forgiven my sins. I'm grateful for this relationship that I have with my Heavenly Father, but I want to honor the one who tore the veil in two so I could have access to boldly come before the throne room of God to obtain grace and mercy. I want to honor the one that made that possible. I want to fear him and have a reverence towards him. Acts chapter 9 verse 31 out of the NIV says the church throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit and it increased in numbers. Make no mistake about it, the way the church started is the way the church is going to end. Growing in peace and having a fear of God. That's how the church is going to end. Because the scriptures also talk about how the former is not going to be greater. You know, the, these latter things are going to be greater than the former things. So the, I believe even a, a greater fear is coming. A greater fear, because if all of them had this fear when he spoke to the 420, all 420 would have went to the upper room. But only 120 respected him enough to do what he said. I believe when he speaks to our church, the whole church obeys. I believe when he pours out his spirit on our church, the whole church responds. Because we have this reverence and this fear for God Almighty. We know who he is. He's the God of the Bible. <laughs> Come on now. He's the first of many. And so we have a healthy respect for him. We understand the one that is speaking to us, just like Hebrews chapter 12 talks about. It's God Almighty. We're not being spoken to by man. God is speaking to us. Proverbs 16, 6. Through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. How do you keep your life pure? How do you walk out holiness? How do you be holy as he is holy? 
You have a fear for the Lord. When we have a fear for the Lord, we won't hang out with the people that we're not supposed to hang out with. When we have a fear for the Lord, we won't watch things we're not supposed to watch. When we have a fear for the Lord, we won't lie. When we have a fear for the Lord, we'll treat our brothers and sisters the way we're supposed to treat our brothers and sisters. When we have a fear for the Lord, we'll go after the lost the way we're supposed to go after the lost. When we have a fear for the Lord, we'll be faithful to our husband and to our wife. When we have a fear of the Lord, we won't steal. We won't gossip. When we have a fear of the Lord, we won't disrespect ourselves in our temple. How do we avoid evil? We have a holy fear for the Almighty. When we have a fear for the Lord, we won't let a corrupt uh, speech come out of our mouths. We won't let an evil report come out because it's not just dishonoring us, it's dishonoring Him. When we have a fear for the Lord, we'll read our Bibles every day. When we have a fear for the Lord, we'll pray. When we have a fear for the Lord, when the church doors are open, we'll come. And again, I'm not trying to make anyone feel guilty. I'm just trying to challenge you. Do you fear him? Do you reverence him? Do you really respect him as God Almighty? I love what Peter talked about in the book of Acts when they were writing it and Peter went to the Gentiles and he ministered all over the Gentiles and then when he came back to Jerusalem, they were judging him because he ministered to the Gentiles and then he began to explain all the miracles that God did and how God was blessing people and how they're being born again and then Peter said, if all these good things are happening, who am I to argue with God? When we fear the Lord, we'll stop arguing with him. We'll realize that maybe his ways are better than my ways. Maybe his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. We'll stop arguing with God and we'll just walk in agreement with him. So we can have all that he died to give us. So he can truly be our God and we can truly be his people. I don't want to be... Like the Jews who rejected him. So he essentially went outside of them to the Gentiles. I, this is what God said, I will find a people who will love me. And if you won't do it, then let me make this salvation available for everybody, and I'm about to grow my family. If you won't honor me as my chosen and holy people, if you won't honor me, then let me go to the Gentiles. And that's exactly what he did. They despised him. They scoffed at him. They mocked him. And I know he had to be crucified. But even before Jesus came and was crucified, you look in the Old Testament, how often they forgot about God. Even over in the book of Samuel, when they started crying out for a king, and God's up in heaven. And he, you already have a king. And not only that, you have the king. What do you need a man for? You've got God Almighty. And so Samuel, he prophesied to him and he went and he said, listen, you don't need a king. You've got God. And they were like, well, and here's the problem. We just want to be like everybody else. We want to be like this nation over there. They got a king. We want to be like this nation over there. They got a king. 
We want to be like this nation. They got a king. We want a king. And so we see how God operates also in this moment. If we, as his creation, want to do stupid things, he'll allow it. But then Samuel prophesies to him and he says, okay, you want to move forward with these stupid things? Guess what's coming? And then he lists it off. He'll take your children. They'll serve in his army. He'll send them out to war and they're going to die. He'll enslave your people. He'll steal your taxes. He'll steal your land. He'll steal your property. This is what a king's going to do. And guess what kings have been doing ever since then? Taking your property, taking your children, taking your land. That's gospel. And that happens when man starts looking to man for answers. I don't look to man for answers. I look to God for answers. Why would I look to man when I know the one who knows everything? What can man do before me? Come on now. And this is why we get scriptures that talks about with man before you, with God before you, who can be against you? I've got God. And he's almighty. I don't mean to yell at you, but I'm trying to get this across. I'm, he's rejuvenated a passion on the inside of me. I told my wife and I told Cody, my, my work wife, if we can be politically correct. Whoops, sorry, just kidding, we make jokes. <laughs> That's what Rachel calls it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Cody's turning red. <laughs> so great. We're just joking. Nothing weird, all right? But I told him, since this, this something happened in November, I said, it's like, it's like I'm born again all over again. Just hungry for God. I feel like the longer we walk with him, the less we respect him. The longer we walk with him, the further we get from him. It's so backwards. The longer I walk with him, the closer I should be getting with him. And it's like I had this epiphany in November. I was like, what am I doing? Do I even know the God that I'm serving anymore? I go through these motions of going to church, and there's even been times. I'll just tell on myself, since y'all looking at me all weird. There was times when I was so eager to go to church so I could get it out of the way so I could go home. Don't y'all look out there and judge me. I've seen y'all checking your watches while I've been up here talking. And there's so many times that I was like, do I have to do this again? Do I have to go to church? Do I have to worship? Do I have to pray for people? Do I have to read my Bible? Really, we've got another service. Oh, my goodness, next week we got six services. Oh, my goodness, a saturation. We just had a saturation three weeks ago. I had to pray for everybody three weeks ago. Now you want me to pray for everybody again? Do we really have to do this? And it's like Robert forgot the God he was serving. And it became more about me and less about him which is the polar opposite of scripture. I must decrease so God can increase. I need less of me so I can have more of him. And all of a sudden, something shifted and something changed. And I want something to shift in you. And maybe you're already fired up. You can always use more fire. Maybe you're already in love with him. You can use more love. Maybe you're already passionate about him. You can use more passion. 
I want to be refined. Look at the way John respected Jesus. One is coming that is so much greater than me. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. And when Jesus showed up and said, John, baptize me, he said, no way. I'm not, no way. You baptize me, baptize everybody here. You're the Messiah. Just in love with him. And respect for him. A fear for him. Because he's wanting to do something in the earth. But he needs a people group that love him. He needs a people group that will pursue him above everything else. Glory to God. Psalms 128 verse 1. So I don't mean to yell. But I'm just very passionate right now about my God about my Savior. And I apologize if that passion has not been there for however many years. But anyone who is without sin, go ahead and cast the first stone. Anybody who's gone to church and while you're sitting there, you're ready to leave, go ahead and cast the first stone. The difference... Maybe, as I decided to be honest with myself. Glory to God. Because there's really a difference from being in the kingdom and being a part of the kingdom. I want to be involved in the kingdom. And I realize that there's sacrifices I must make to be involved in this kingdom. There's things I must do. And you know what? The kingdom's not about me. The kingdom is about him. Amen. Kingdoms are always about the king. Kingdoms are always about the king. And so as a minister in the word, just every single one of us, just check your heart. And I bet you if you were honest with yourself, there's things that you could do better. There's things we could do better. I want to go and be transformed from glory to glory. I don't want to be like the disciples at the transfiguration when Jesus was transfigured. And they said, let's just set up tent and stay right here. That's good, but there's more. Let me just keep pushing to get more. Glory to God. Psalms 128, verse 1. Y'all doing all right tonight? I don't know why preachers ask that, like anyone's going to say no. <laughs> Psalms one two. Someone's like, hurry up. <laughs> Praise God, I'm glad you didn't. Glad you held your tongue if that's what you're thinking. <clears throat> Blessed are those who what? Fear the Lord. Who walk in obedience to him. Oh, how I see the two of these so greatly connected. How we will not walk in obedience unless we fear the Lord. How the two of these are married to each other and attached to each other. And the reason why most of the church doesn't obey God is because they don't fear God. And that's the brass tacks and that's where it stops. When we fear him, we'll obey him. No matter what he asks. No matter if we understand it or not. 
You want my tithe? Here it is. Why? Because I fear you. I don't care who's arguing against it, who's for it, who's against it. If you want it, here it is. You want my downtime and my free time? Instead of watching movies and playing video games, here it is. Because I fear you. Because I fear you, I'll obey you. The other night I got in bed, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, it was late. And, and uh, because I go to bed late, I don't know why. I'm working on it. And, and I laid down in bed, and I was really tired. Anybody ever actually lay down in bed and you're just really tired? <laughs> Makes sense, right? I laid down in bed, and when I laid down in bed, I just sensed in my spirit, the Holy Spirit speaking to my spirit, and this is what I perceived him saying, come out here and spend time with me. And it's amazing. I was like, I just laid down. <laughs> and you can call me a liar if you want, but have you ever found that perfect spot in bed <laughs> that you know if you get up, there's no way you're finding that same spot again? <laughs> Y'all, I found that spot. <laughs> and I was there, and I was just living my best life. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is so nice. I'm so comfortable. My pillow's perfect. My blankie's perfect. Everything's perfect. And God was like, come fellowship with me. Do I fear him? Do I love him? And so I got out of bed. And I went to the living room. And I just started chatting with him. And I watched the clock. It only took 14 minutes. <laughs> I mean, can't lie. I watched the clock. It was 14 minutes. And after 14 minutes of praying and fellowshipping, I just had a release. And it was like the Spirit of God said, okay, you can go to bed. Well, I'm up now. I mean, you want to talk? Let's talk, you know. I'm just kidding. After, after I got the release, I went and I laid down and went to bed. But that's what I'm talking about. When he pulls you towards him, will you respond? What do you think saturation services are all about? It's about getting closer to him. Being pulled close to him by the presence of the mighty God. Responded to him as hands are laid on us. Responded to him as the worship team is worshiping and the presence of God falls in the room as it did tonight. It's about drawing closer to him. Because we love him and we fear him. Those who obey him. They fear him. Just a few more scriptures for you. Psalms 115, verse 11 out of the Barren Study Bible. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Verse 11. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord is mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. So I really like how he put this in the scriptures, how he talks about Israel and he talks about Aaron, but then he expands it beyond them to everybody who will fear the Lord. What's he bless us with? Well, what do you need? Did we not just talk about how he's the intergalactic Ruler of everything? 
So what does he bless us with? What do you need? Do you need refreshed in your soul? He'll bless you with it. Do you need soundness and peace in your mind? He'll bless you with it. Do you need healed from a bruised or a broken heart? He'll bless you with it. Do you need healing in your body? He'll bless you with it. Do you need something to change in your family or your workplace? He'll bless you with it. Do you need something to change in your school or in your community? He'll bless you with it. As long as you fear the Lord. And you don't make it about the blessing, but you make it about him. And I'll go a step further and say this. He'll even just give you the desires of your heart. Which isn't a step too far because it's scripture. There is nothing worse than hearing about all the promises but never walking in them. You want to talk about frustration. Well, where does that come from? When you hear about the promises and you hear about the promises and you hear about the promises, but you don't fear the Lord, so you don't obey the Lord, you will not see the promises. This is all interwoven and it's all connected. He is the God of all creation. God of the universe. And there's nothing that is too big for him and there's nothing that's too small. He wants to take care of all of it. But we've got to fear him and obey him. He'll even take care of the little things. Lots of times when we're talking about God and being the ruler of the universe, we always think it has to be something crazy. He'll take care of small things. I said he'll take care of small things. Psalms 22 and 23, a couple more scriptures. I will proclaim the name of my brothers. I will praise you uh, in the assembly. You who fear the Lord, praise him. Why do I praise him? Because I fear him. The descendants of Jacob honor him. All the offspring of Israel revere him. Psalms 34, 1 through 3. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the oppressed hear and rejoice. Magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name together. Now, what is our key to praising him? It's fear and reverence towards him. I want to read this scripture, which seems like it's out of left field, but it's really not because of what we were just talking about. What do you need tonight? What do you need tonight? He'll take care of it. I want to go to Habakkuk real quick. Chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. (laughs) Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. Now I heard Joyce Meyer say this on one of her podcasts. She said, let's just make this plain. Though my children have fallen away from the Lord, though my car is broken down, though my business is struggling, though my job looks like it's going to quit, though the economy is going bad, though there's no field and the bills are piling up in my house, though it looks like everyone around me is going crazy, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. See, because when I fear him, it doesn't matter if all those external things are manifesting or not. When I fear the Lord, I just know even if the field's not producing a harvest, my God will take care of me. Even if the fig trees are not showing any buds, I know that my God will take care of me. Even if my family looks like it's wandering, my God will fix it. Even if it looks like my business is going under, my God will fix it. 
even if it looks like I'm being pressed on every single side and perplexed by everything going on around, my God, God of the universe, will take care of it. God is on my side. <laughs> and God is on your side. And since God is on our side, since God is on your side, we've got something to be happy about. We've got something to praise about. We've got something to shout about. We've got something to sing about. We've got something to dance about. We've got something to rejoice about. It's just like Paul told the Gentiles, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Hallelujah. Why? Because God is on your side. And if you'll know him, and if you'll fear him, and if you'll obey him, then nothing will be impossible. Over in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 19, it says, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstance. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. I can rejoice because I know the one that I serve. I've got joy because I know the one that I serve. And it doesn't matter what the world or the enemies try to put on my life, it will not prosper. Come on, let me just speak to someone in the room. No weapon formed against your family will prosper. That's a word for somebody. That just came up in my spirit. No weapon formed against your family will ever prosper. Who does your family belong to? Well, they belong to the Lord. Amen. And even if they're not serving the Lord, you're serving the Lord. You're in a covenant with the Lord. Amen. And so he'll perfect that which concerns you, including your family. So just receive that tonight. He's working on your children. Some of the children and youth in the room, he's working on your parents. <laughs> Glory to God. Let him work. <laughs> Do work, God. <laughs> Put in the work. Hallelujah. 